Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And this is the podcast where my wife and I argue over horror films and critique them like a couple of drunks <laughs> at the bar. So, <laughs> so maybe you never learn anything, but hopefully you have a good time listening. So today we are continuing our uh, theme of space horror. Space! <laughs> I just like saying the word space. Uh, we're continuing... <laughs> We're continuing our theme of space horror and talking about the 1965 film Planet of the Vampires, which, you know, as I'm saying it right now, I kind of wish that we would have talked about this to kick off the month. Why? (laughs) Rather than talking about Alien. Well, because Planet of the Vampires is kind of, you know, it's one of the ones that really goes back to some of space horror's kind of earlier influences, right? Uh I mean, you know, some of you youngins listening are probably thinking well alien's pretty ancient and yes it is it's 40 years old we're also old fuck you um <laughs> you can tell i'm in a mood today <laughs> uh but but play of the vampires it's one of the you know it's one of the big influences on a lot of space horror films that came after it including alien which i, I might mention in a moment here but uh for those of you that have never seen it it's basically about a futuristic space crew that uh, it has discovered a signal that they decide to go investigate on a planet, and their reason to investigate is because maybe there's some cool shit there. Cool hey. shit being aliens. Um, <laughs> I mean, do you have a better reason? I mean, I know that based on everything I've seen in movies, I'd be a little bit hesitant maybe to, you know, go exploring on planets I've never been to. That's but why maybe you're that's not an me. astronaut. I mean, for God's sakes, Earth has certainly shown that you don't want to come to Earth and suddenly go walking around investigating. You'll get fucking shot. So. No, our planet is full of murder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You will die if you come visit Earth. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but anyway, so um, what the hell is he saying? But yeah, so, so they go to investigate this signal, and I don't really know what would be a spoiler for this, so I will just leave it at they discover some freaky deaky creatures there <laughs> and deaky. and there's like body possession and uh, you know weird shit so, happens a lot of weird shit a lot of weird weird shit it's directed by mario bava who a lot of you are probably very familiar with you know kind of one of the big i think influential horrors uh out of italy throughout the the 50s and 60s especially um, but he directed A Bay of Blood, which Chris and I caught a while back at a movie marathon. It was amazing. It's kind of like an earlier slasher that is just super fun and weird. And <laughs> I need to rewatch because this was one of our like Halloween marathons that we do here in Los Angeles. And I fell asleep during part of it because it was like at midnight. 
Boy, the thing was so great, fucking trippy. Great review, hon. I fell asleep. <laughs> no, it's really good, but it like fucked with my brain because I didn't understand what was happening. Well, that's Italy for you. Uh, so, <laughs> so he directed that. He also directed the film Black Sunday, which is a classic. A lot of great gothic imagery in that one. But it's uh, based on a story by Renato Pestrinero uh, called One Night of 21 Hours, a title which could not possibly be worse. Uh, it's been, <laughs> and it was... Written, uh, the screenplay was adapted by uh, Bava, Melkar, Alberto, Bevliacacqua, I cannot pronounce names, uh, Callisto Kusilich, Antonio Roman, and Rafael J. Selvia. And I will just say this, anytime that you see a, not, not one, not two, not three, but like eight fucking writers on a movie, usually not the best case scenario. <laughs> And I, I will say this before moving forward. While I really like Planet of the Vampires, uh, you can definitely see that the script is a little oh, yeah. not great. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, but we're gonna we'll get into that too in a sec. But so that's what we're talking about tonight. Before we do, before we get into spoilers, we like to do kind of some of our spoiler-free content. So as far as uh, releases coming out this week, there's one called, and these will all be out by the time you're listening to this. Uh, there's one called The Dijin, or The Jin, which uh, will be coming the VOD. And this one's really interesting. Uh, it's basically about a kid who, long story short, uh, accidentally summons a jinn into his apartment. And he is a, he, he is a mute child. Uh, so he ends up having, you know, basically kind of struggling with this demon that's trying to kill him in his own apartment. Uh, and it all kind of takes place, not necessarily in real time, but, you know, overnight or something like that. Mm -hmm. And and it's basically about this kid just trying to struggle to survive, but he can't really get help. And, oh, shit. you know, so so it, it's a very interesting one. Uh, very dark. <laughs> it's definitely going to get your emotions going. But that's a good one. There's also one that I know Chris has been waiting forever for her to be allowed to talk about on the show, and that is Benny Loves You, which is now on VOD. I'm and trying really hard not to high pitch scream right now. Yeah, and it, so you're welcome, Ears. Um, but, she, <laughs> but Benny Loves You is basically about a plushy childhood toy of this guy who, uh, as he gets older, decides to try to get rid of the plushie, and then it decides, motherfucker, you're not getting rid of me. I love you, and I'm going to murder anyone who gets in the way of our friendship. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so to me, it's basically like Ted, but the slasher version of that movie. And better. <laughs> and better. <laughs> yeah, I fucking love this movie so much. Benny's voice gives me life. It's the best Benny thing. Benny loves you. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I'm so excited it's finally coming out. I'm super bummed because Matt told me that they are making like an actual plushie for him. But since they're in Europe, it won't be coming stateside. And I'm super bummed. So if anybody in Europe wants to send me a Benny plushie, I will love you forever. The same way Benny loves people. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I don't remember their website offhand, but I would recommend checking out their website if you do live in the UK and you happen to watch Benny Loves You. I, I think that they either will have or do have a plushie already available, so okay. check that out. Um, But no, yeah, Benny Loves You is great. If you're in the mood for something a little bit lighter and funny and, you know, just like a wild good time, like Benny Loves You is that movie. It's very dumb, but a lot of fun. It's so much fun. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, coming out this week is a big one. And that is Spiral from the Book of Saw, which will be out in theaters by the time you're listening to this. And I, we don't really know much about the plot of this one. I've been intentionally ignoring reviews that have come out because I don't <laughs> want to know any details. Uh, but it's got Chris Rock, Samuel L. Jackson in it. 
Darren Lynn Bousman's returning direct, and he directed, uh, I want to say, two, three, and four, which are all very good. Two and three being exceptional, and two kind of, uh, by many, being considered to be the best film in the franchise, although I would still say that it's the first one. But I'm, I'm really pumped for this. I've spent the whole week, or the whole weekend, I guess, uh, going back through all the Saw films. I just finished uh, the more recent one, Jigsaw, right before recording this. And I got to say, the movies are a hell of a lot better than I remember, you know? So I I grew up with these. These were kind of like my generation's big horror franchise <laughs> next to Scream. You know, I feel like every generation either gets or should get their, their own franchise like that. And, and ours was Saw. And, you know, so this was a franchise that I happened to catch a lot of during my teenage years and then finished off in college with Part 7, you know? And it, for me, it's exciting because... When I when I first experienced those movies, I loved the first one. I thought Saw was great. It's a fascinating movie, and it's got, honestly, one of the best twists of the last 30 years or whatever in horror. Yeah. You know, I thought it was a great film. And for me personally, you know, during that time, I was a lot more pretentious about my <laughs> horror. And so, and so I did kind of, I think, heavily criticize the sequels going forward because the thing about them is, like, they are – you know, they are lowbrow horror in a lot of ways where you do kind of have a, a lot of over-the-top writing, you know, and, mm -hmm. and stuff that's really goofy. I mean, eventually it gets to the point where they're connecting the films to each other by, oh, we revealed that this room actually had, like, a fake cardboard door that this person was going <laughs> through, you know, so that, so that you didn't know they were there in the other movie. Like, it gets ridiculous, but it's fun. And, yeah. and as I was revisiting them all back-to-back... You know, I just started having the feeling of, like, why did I criticize these so much when they're entertaining? Because, you know, it's not like I'm watching Friday the 13th and thinking that all of those movies are, like, you know, fucking god-tier level filmmaking. Because they're hey not. They're, no, they are great. <laughs> they're fun. They're a blast. But they're not. They're they're dumb, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and that's just the realization I came to with Saw. is like, look, there, there's actually more to this franchise going on than I originally gave it credit for. You know, it gets labeled as torture porn all the time, but it's it's more than that. You know, it's it, like, yes, it is bloody as fuck. And yes, there are some torturous moments that <laughs> that make you cringe in your seat. But the thing about it is all of the kills are really creative. You know, they're inspired. They're they're things that, you know, I was talking to someone today on Twitter where it's like. Uh, there were movies that made you go in and you're a little bit nervous of like, what kind of trap are you going to see this time, you know? Yeah. And, and like, that's really special in a way to like be such a franchise that, that you instill that fear, but then you also deliver just like really over the top entertainment, you know, because they do get goofy. The villains are great. There's all kinds of great set pieces in the movies, you know? So, so you all might, right. You might be convincing me to watch the later Saw movies. <laughs> I, I would recommend giving them a try. Yeah. Just just anyone who's listening who either hasn't seen them or didn't like them initially, give it another shot. Watch them closer together. Let the pieces kind of make more sense to you as you're going through it because the franchise gets very convoluted if you're not <laughs> if you're not paying attention to everything going on, right? Um, but give it another shot. And I think that if you go back, you might realize that there's actually a lot more humor to these movies than you might have been giving them credit for initially. So. Okay. And if not humor, just, again, fun. Like, nothing... The Saw franchise gets a little mean at times, but it more often than not 
is fun is trying to be entertaining it's like a more hardcore version of final destination in my eyes so (laughs) fair enough um but all right so that's enough of me ranting about saw and what's coming out we got to get to you know actual important (laughs) things like the the topic at hand here so uh, so every week on Twitter at Killer Critics, we like to put up a poll, just kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you think of it. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it, where do you think where do you think the audience falls on Planet of the Vampires? I'm gonna go with never seen it, and that's just me going off of I had never heard of this movie before you told me about it. Yeah, well, you would be correct. So you know it. <laughs> I, I, I'm starting to realize that anything that's before, like, 1975, you know, it might be possible that most <laughs> haven't seen it. Uh, so, so Love got, or Love It got 20.7%, It's Fine got 13.8%, Don't Like It got 3.4%, and Never Seen It took a whopping 62.1%. Uh, so apparently a lot of you just have never seen Planet of the Vampires, and maybe some of you have never even heard of it. Uh, and that's fine because we're gonna we're gonna tell you about why you should watch this movie. So, yes. <laughs> but first we have some comments from our fans on Twitter uh, that they left at the poll. So I want to start with at B Germain, uh, who's my buddy Bead. He runs a great or he runs a bunch of great podcasts with with our friend Super Marcy. You can also find on Twitter. And by the way, Bead is spelled B E D E and then J E R M Y N. And he says, I shamefully haven't seen it yet, but definitely will soon because it was a main influence on Alien. Mario Bava is my favorite horror director. And with a title like that, how can you not want to watch it? And I just want to say to that bead, amen. Like with the title like <laughs> the title like Planet of the Vampires, how do you not just immediately want to sit down and be like, I'm going to see what this planet's all about. Right? <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's very understandable that a lot of people haven't seen it, but I think this is a good you know potential chance to watch this and maybe get into more like 60s horror like for me watching this i am now as matt will attest obsessed all i want to do is watch like atomic age horror because the look baba does a really great job of shooting this this is a gorgeous film on a cheap as fuck set i am but i mean that's how it was done though you know exactly and that's the charm there's a really nice charm to these types of movies that like especially if you like you know any of the kaiju movies if you like big rubber suits and things like that like planet of the vampires is so much fun this movie is so much fun to watch, even if it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That's well, okay. <laughs> well, it definitely doesn't, and it doesn't answer some of my important questions, like do like does the Planet of the Vampires have garlic on it? <laughs> uh, do they have like mass coffin manufacturers? You know, like I really want to know these things about the Planet of the Vampires, <laughs> and we just never get those answers, and that's really disappointing. But. But no, but overall, though, yes, it's got a great title. And look, Mario Bava is an amazing director. You know, like Chris kind of nailed it on the head in the sense that, you know, he's not always working with the biggest budgets. Uh, and, you know, you're as an audience in 2021, you're not going to watch Planet of the Vampires and be fooled by the sets <laughs> like they're very obviously sets. But but to me, that's part of the charm is yeah. that is that they are sets. You you are immediately kind of transported to this sort of other era of filmmaking where it was a bit campier but but there's like a charm to that uh it's very colorful like bava bava infuses so much color into this movie i forget which actor it was but i read a story about how one of the actors uh while doing their voice or while doing their dubbing for the english version like wept because it 
because they were just so entranced by like how beautiful the movie looked. <laughs> I can totally understand and, that. No, so can I. I want to live on the sets in this movie. Like right? they are gorgeous. But anyway, uh, thank you, Bead, for the comment. Really appreciate it. Definitely go check it out. Uh, next up is at Badger Girl Twenty One, and that is B A D G R G R L Two One. And they say it's entertaining, very much of its era, and very bava. Yes. Um, it's definitely very much of its era. I can't speak to the bava-ness because I don't think I've seen any other bava films. You've, you've seen Black Sunday and A Bay of Blood, remember? You just yes. probably don't remember them well. <laughs> I, I do remember with, with Bay of Blood, that was also like a beautiful color scape, if I'm remembering right. Like, just gorgeous film. Well, so, uh, so Bay, of, nah, Bay of Blood's a little more straightforward. <laughs> it's not it's not colorful like Planet of the Vampires, but... Imagine, <laughs> like, no, you're remembering this wrong. A little bit, but... <laughs> or maybe it's, I it's, am. Who no, knows? It's, it's totally fair. Um, but, but no, but uh, Black Sunday, while it's in black and white, is a very gorgeous film as well. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of one of those movies that is so infused with gothic imagery and, you know, the sort of standard, like... F- like horror movie fog following you everywhere and just just lots of great imagery in it but but that you know even though it's not in color like that that is a great that movie is a great example of just how beautiful black and white movies were at the time as well and, and so bob has always said that bob has always shot his movies very well you know he's always kind of been uh more of a visual artist before a storyteller if that makes sense you know like it's <laughs> yes like, yes it does like a lot, a lot of the movies are more focused visually than i guess story and that's not a knock you know that's no. that's just how some filmmakers operate but anyway yes yeah, so i totally agree badger girl 21 uh it's absolutely entertaining and very much of the era and of bava but uh so thank you for the comment really appreciate it and thank you for always joining us on our killer sundays those i i miss those <laughs> <laughs> And, and lastly is at Justin underscore Drabek, and Drabek is D-R-A-B-E-K. Uh, what's up, Justin? Justin uh, used to write for us at KHC, but he says, it definitely has its problems. I quite enjoy it, though. And to that, I will just say, it is a flawed movie, yep. for sure. Um, you know, it's not perfect. Like I said, does not tell us about what vampires do about pizza. I want to know if they eat it or not. <laughs> But but he does Most random questions. But I agree, you know, it's it's not perfect, but it is enjoyable, and I think at the very least, you know, if you like to partake in the occasional movie enhancing elements, uh, it's it's a great film to watch for that. It's very beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Uh, but anyway, so thank you, Justin, for the comment. Really appreciate it. So lastly, before we get into spoilers, we like to do our tagline versus the film, kind of going over the tagline, what we think of the movie overall. So there were a few that I found that were intriguing, but the one that shows up on the uh, on the poster most often that I could find is this: ten thousand years ago, or ten thousand years to come, are they beings of the future or of the past? These men who rule the demon planets. <laughs> So what do you think of the tagline, and what do you think of Planet of the Vampires overall? All right, so I totally miss, like, super intense taglines like this. I feel like we get them a lot with, like, 50s and 60s movies, where it's just like, you've got, like, six sentences. That's not I, a tagline. That's a paragraph. I, I don't I don't really miss them. I can understand why they did not survive time. I like them. I think they're kooky and fun. They are kooky and fun, but I think that's why they do not exist anymore, because, you know, I mean, try selling Hereditary with, like, a six-sentence kooky and fun tagline. Like, it just, it's just not going to happen, you know? No, probably so. not. 
I don't know. I feel like for that tagline, like, it's giving away a good chunk of the movie. So I feel like it's not a good tagline for that reason. I wouldn't even say that. I would just say it's confusing as fuck. It is also very confusing. Like, I think you read this tagline and you're like, 10,000 years ago or 10,000 years to come. What the fuck does that mean? Are they beings of the future or of the past? Well, the movie never really tells us. (laughs) Are, uh, are, Are these men who rule the demon planet... What the hell are you talking about? This is not a demon planet. Like, it's a planet of vampires. Who aren't really vampires, no. which we'll get into. So, uh, so no, terrible tagline. But as far as the movie itself, like, I, I fall more on the it's fine uh, part of this. You know, like, I, it's a film that I enjoy watching. Uh, again, I think the visuals are incredible. I can see the heavy influence that it had on films to come in the space horror genre. And it is kooky and campy, and you yeah. know it's it's like it's like one of those movies that's like perfect for a Sunday afternoon watch, you know, mm-hmm. like like nothing that's going to scare you, nothing that's mm-hmm. like turn off all the lights and watch nope. it, that kind of thing. But but if you just want to like sit back, chill, have a good throwback to like the campy '60s era with all the like color soap colors and everything, it, it's this movie. Like Planet of the Vampires is really good for that, but. The script sucks, yeah. and I'm just, I'm just going to be blunt about that. The script is terrible. <laughs> yeah, the script is terrible. But, yeah, it's the miniatures are campy and gorgeous and fun. Yeah, I want to live in this film. Like, I don't feel like nowadays audiences, you know, you're not really going back and watching 60s movies because you're going to find them scary or anything like that. Like, you tune into them because they are charming, and it's a dreamscape. And something that we definitely don't have in horror films right now. Oh, no. I mean, if you watch Planet of the Vampires, like, it's damn near impossible to find anything that is similar that's being made now. Yeah. Like, it's just... And, and that and that's what happens, you know. These things evolve over time. the The filmmaking industry changes, but mm. God, you know, the last the last few episodes that we've done have been in like Planet of the Vampires. We did a bonus episode for Houseu, yeah. and I am just really badly starting to miss like these movies that you know had these kind of like obvious sets and these big gorgeous like matte paintings in the background and just what? like all this color being infused into it, you know. I mean, everything's just, like, so goddamn bleak and narcissistic now that it just, like... Yeah, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I still love plenty of the horror coming out now, and I'm not one of those people that's like, horror sucks now, but... <laughs> no. Uh, but I do definitely miss the more colorful side of it, so to speak. But, uh, so that's... So now we're going to move into spoiler territory. Uh, if you have not seen the film, it is streaming on Prime, uh, so I recommend checking it out there. Otherwise, we are going to talk about everything. So yep. if you haven't seen it, we are going to spoil it for you. So as we always do, who do you want to talk about? You know, there's kind of... Personally, I don't really think there's anybody that stands out all that much <laughs> in Planet of the Vampires. But uh, who's someone that caught your eye? <laughs> uh, I would agree with you. There's not really anybody who stands out. But I really want to talk about uh, Sonia, who's played by Norma, uh, Norma Bengals. I want to talk about her because of women in film at this time, kind of. Because, look, at this point in time in, like, horror and movies like that, you know, she's kind of fulfilling that role that we normally see with with female characters. She's kind of this, like, secondary character. She really is acting kind of like a secretary in the beginning, taking calls and transferring and all that kind of stuff. And she's never really given any type of personality. Yeah. Having said that, what's really interesting about this film that I feel like is also reminiscent of it coming out at around the same time that Star Trek was coming out is the fact that when we look at the crew, A, there were no honorifics. 
Like, there's nobody referring to anybody else as captain or first mate or anything like that. Well, we get captain a couple times. We Every once in a while we get captain, but it's more in reference to the other ship. The other ship's captain's house, as opposed to the ship that we're with. So I think it's really interesting that, like, we're not getting honorifics. The uniforms that everybody is wearing is the same. They're they're mm. unisex. Women are wearing the same outfits as the boys. We're not getting, like, boob windows and short skirts <laughs> and anything like that. Yeah. And I think it's a really interesting time, like, in sci-fi, where they were kind of accepting that women were a little bit more on equal ground than we were seeing in, in other media. You know, but at what cost, though, when you don't have the boob window? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants a boob window. I would love a boob window. I, will, I want a boob window for myself. You can have a boob window. Then. I would love to have a boob window. <laughs> um, but but no. So, so yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying. And I mean, look, you know, this is kind of what we were talking about a little bit last week with Alien and Ripley. Is that you know, again, before the time of Sigourney Weaver as Ripley, the the role of a woman in a science fiction movie or a or a sci- or especially a science fiction horror film is, is not to be the hero. No. It's it's almost always to be uh, the damsel in distress or at the very least a sidekick. And you know, to Sonya's credit, she's not the damsel in distress in this movie. Mm-hmm. She she is uh, going along with with Mark, played by Barry Sullivan, the captain. Uh, she is going along with him, and you know helping to investigate the threat like she's not you know standing back and and being told that you know she has to hang back because it's too dangerous you know like she's not she's not being given that crap so there's at least that she (laughs) kills like three people like she's a stone-blooded killer like she kills like three people like they get into a fight with mark's brother because he's been taken over by the vampires that aren't vampires um and she's just like i will fucking fight you bro she gets punched in the face she sure does um you know hey equality right everyone's an equal punch opportunity (laughs) and she does i like this actress because she does a great job towards the end when she's like now one of the vampire people of being going from like this softer like more secretary type character to being a little bit more sinister and evil she does a really good job without really having very many lines to work with um so i don't want to give her credit for that right no for sure and so you know so i mean she she's like this uh She's like this sort of stepping stone, I guess, to getting to Ripley. Yeah. You know, where it's like she's not she's not quite the damsel in distress who's, you know, being kidnapped by the alien monsters so that it can, <laughs> you know, play trekkers with her or whatever they do. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, she's not that like that's not happening. But but she's still not you know, she's still not like really getting full control of herself as a woman in the no. movie. She's not she's not having that kind of agency as much. The captain uh, still it, has to bail her out. Yeah, she she's very much just there in a lot of ways. Yep. But you know, so she's kind of a stepping stone in that way. But my sort of comeback to that a little bit is who I want to talk about, which is really nobody specifically. So, <laughs> what? You know, so I, I sort of copped out here a little bit, but it's because I'm gonna talk about cool stuff. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> So, Planet of the Vampires, you know, I, Chris and I watch these movies multiple times before we talk about them, and I could not find someone who I'm like, that person, I really need to talk about their story. And the reason is, is because outside of what Chris just said about Sonya, there is no story. There's no, 
there's no story to these people. They don't have feelings. They don't have. Nope. They're they're very robotic. I I really could not care less about any of them. And you know, I think the more I look at this movie, the more it's extremely reflective of basically. And, and look, I don't know how you know. I I don't know how big the fear of communism was in the in Italy at the time. But I mean, in the U.S. at the time, like during the '60s, yep. communism was a huge fear. You know, that was like the like the Cold War went for a few decades, but the '60s was kind of a, a little bit of where it peaked, sort of. You know, like so when the, we had McCarthyism. Well, we had McCarthyism in the '50s, and I and I think that leaked a little bit in the '60s. But but no, McCarthyism was huge in the '50s, and you know, this is being made in 1965, so I cannot speak to how much. Bava and the other filmmakers were reflecting on that on that time period. Um, but you can definitely see it working its way into the movie because, you know, when I look at the characters in Planet of the Vampires, they're all just the fucking same to me, you know? Like they're <laughs> like every, like all of the men have basically the same fucking haircut. Yeah. Uh the women have pretty much the same haircut. Little difference little differences here and there, but it's very they're all very similar. You know, it's basically like the redhead and the blonde and, you know, I, hey. like that's how I started to differentiate <laughs> people. Um, but but also, like Chris mentioned, too, uh, their uniforms are all the same. You know, they all wear the exact same uniform. The only way really to tell some of them apart is by the insignia, because uh, for one crew, it's yellow and for the other, it's red. But for the most part, they all look the same, especially when they're wearing their caps and they've got their flipped <laughs> collars, you know, and you just see this little portion of their face, like, yeah. you know, basically it just, the movie again and again is kind of touching on this fear of being the same, of the the enemy within, you know, of not, of not being able to recognize who the enemy is because you see this movie and, like, from, from the very get-go, you know, you have Mark making a joke about, uh, how maybe they have a spy on board or something like that, right? And, mm -hmm. and and the characters are like commenting all throughout how the enemy is kind of invisible because, as we learn, these so-called vampire creatures are like inhabiting the bodies of everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's just like the more you look at this, the more it feels like a futuristic version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You know, where it's just. You you don't know who's who. The enemy is the person standing next to you, and and that's yeah. what and that's what that's what the terror of communism was all about. That's what McCarthyism was all about. Is this fucking rampant fear or or well, you know, McCarthyism had deeper sinister <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> elements to it, but but in the public's eye, it was this chaotic fear of like my next door neighbor could be a communist, you know, and mm -hmm. and Planet of the Vampires is just kind of reflecting on that all throughout so yeah i definitely can see that do you think that that's kind of like why we get that moment early on when they first land on the planet and they're all like fuck it yolo and start fighting each other no i mean that's not why <laughs> <laughs> uh, i but mean they're fighting the enemies within i mean yeah look you can you can look at it that way i i mean the film tells us you know of like oh the aliens are manipulating them and then i think for for me, that, that moment stands more out to, like, you know, another thing that's kind of prevalent throughout this, which is related to communism, because communism is sort of a, the fear of it's sort of a result of the Cold War, you know, because the Cold War was this, this confrontation between America and Russia, where, you know, it's like this arms race sort of thing, and, mm -hmm. and we're kind of competing to see who's going to nuke each other first, right? Uh, that's basically what it was, and that's kind of what it still is today. I mean, I, I would argue that the Cold War never ended. Um, but, 
you know, so that so that was a fear working into it at the time. So you see that throughout, but but I think another thing that it's sort of commenting that goes along with that and with that fear of communism and with the Cold War is this concept that like you know we as a species are just fucking assholes. Yes, you know? we are. <laughs> uh, and and obviously you know this is Italy. It's, they're still making an English version, you know, so there's some connection to America in that sense, but so it all isn't quite the same. But uh, but you know America itself has this long history of. You know, it's not like it's not like we came here and just discovered this uninhabited land and we're like, oh, this is the land of freedom now. And we're going to we're going to be great Americans and, you know, the United States and we're all good friends and buddies and we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving every year and eat turkey together. Like, you know, that that's the nice bullshit that school sells you when you're growing up. Mm -hmm. But the reality of it is, is, you know, Christopher Columbus came here and American or what are now called Americans, you know, are basically like. Oh hey, you indigenous people living here? Fuck you! And then you know, just <laughs> yeah. massive slaughter of everybody, and then them saying like, "We're gonna make this deal with you, or you can have this little tiny piece of land, and we're gonna take the rest." That's cool with you, right? You know, like that—that's the essence of America. We're built on murder. <laughs> we're built on murder, and then also slavery. You know, so so anyway, <laughs> what I'm getting at is that you see all these people land, and I think that that's a little bit of sort of pointing to the fact that, you know, that's just kind of how human beings are when we discover a new land. We're violent. We're a violent race. Like, we are not... Yes! We're we're not the kind animals, you know. No. Like, we are fucking assholes. We (laughs) never come in peace. We do not. We do not. (laughs) We come in violence. It's why it's such a joke, like, when you watch horror movies that are about... You know, space aliens coming here and like waging war on us, or it's the worst idea you can have. Well, no, no, no. I'm not saying it's the worst idea you can have. I'm saying it's hilarious to me that to to think that these movies reflect a fear of aliens coming and doing that to us, when the reality is we would be the ones to do that to literally any planet we would ever visit. So. Yes. Well, I think I think it's a terrible idea for aliens to come here because we will fucking wail on them. We won't even let them get off the fucking ship before we start throwing rocks at it because we have no chill whatsoever. No. Um, yeah, that was kind of my takeaway from the that scene was not only the fact that humans are just, unfortunately, just very prone to violence, but the fact that, like, Look, even if we went and colonized some area, there it would not be long before there was infighting. Like, just because there's this weird, like, need to control and have power and all mm-hmm. of this shit that just causes us to be the biggest fucking assholes in the well, universe. Well, and I think it's really interesting that when they decide to go out investigating, they change out of their black uniforms and into something a little more reddish. And to me, it sort of struck me as like, are these like their war garbs, you know? Like, are these their outfits that they wear to go out killing, you know? Because, yep. I mean, that's like red in a lot of movies or, or in culture represents that sort of like violence, you know? So it makes sense that that's what they might change into to go alien hunting, you know? Yeah. But no, and then, you know, the other question that sort of popped up for me with the fact that this happens is, you know, you also have to wonder well, how much do the aliens really have to push them? <laughs> you know, like that, like that's a question that I couldn't shake from my mind is like, you know, in you can accept it on the surface of like, oh, the aliens are manipulating them and they're doing this and that. But I really do have to wonder, like, how much do the aliens really have to push them 
to get to this violent place because, I mean, if anything, the last year here in the United States has taught us that you really don't got to push human beings that far nope. before they freak the fuck out. I mean, for God's sakes, some of you couldn't handle a pandemic for a week before you started panicking and being like, life is over as we know it. And like, <laughs> I, I have to punch everyone in the face now, you know, like... Yep. It's just it's it's incredible like how how weak we realized we <laughs> we are as a human race. So I feel like it's it's horrifyingly fascinating. Like I love the idea that like the vampires like took over the consciousness and just like ostensibly flipped their brain off. You know, and these humans were just like, fucking, it, it's fight time. And the vampire's just like, what no, no, is no. going on? No, I don't think it's like they flipped their brain off. I think it's like the the vampires got in their head and they're like, hey, hey, Chris. She, she ate your fucking leftovers from yesterday, <laughs> you know, and that's all it takes. And the person's like, I will fucking murder you. You know, like you, how dare you eat my fucking DiGiorno's pizza? <laughs> See, I don't even think it takes that. I think it's just the vampire going in and being like, do what you want. And the human's just like, I'm going to fucking fight. And the vampire's just like, what the fuck? Why is that but, your first instinct? Yeah, right. Like the vampires are all just sitting back like, well, geez, I didn't <laughs> expect them to kill each other. I just thought we would manipulate them a little bit and then take over their bodies but god they're just (laughs) bashing each other's skulls in i didn't expect this at all i like the idea that the vampires just like you know what i think we can be like a symbiotic thing and the humans are like nope we fight to the (laughs) death and the the vampires just like i guess we just got a human suit now right you symbiote me i will fucking kill you (laughs) motherfucker (laughs) i will kill that symbiote i will kill that symbiote they're all dead i'll rip you out with my bare hands Uh, okay, so we gotta move on. But so, yes, so basically humans suck is what we're, <laughs> what we're talking about here. Yep. Um, okay, so since we're talking about, like, the vampire seeping in and taking over the consciousness, like, what do you think about, like, this concept of vampires? Are they vampires? I hate it so much. So Right, they're not vampires. Now, now I, I, do have, I do have something that I think maybe puts it in perspective of, like, why it's called Planet of the Vampires. Uh, but first to the vampires themselves... They're not vampires. And that, no. and it really bugs me that the movie's called Planet of the Vampires, in a sense, because they're just not. Like, if you go into this movie expecting, you know, if you expect 30 days of night but in space, that's not what you're getting. You're no, get- <laughs> this is a bait and switch. You're, you're getting, at best, uh, invasion of the body snatchers without any body snatchers. You know, yep. like, you're, like the, the aliens in this being represented as goofy little glowing blobs that shoot <laughs> through the atmosphere like that's fine but you know to to me i i think a more preferable title might have been like planet of the zombies or something like that yeah you know i i think that might make a little bit more sense i think it might uh fit into the theme a little bit more as well you know since we do kind of have uh multiple moments throughout of our characters coming off as robotic like i think there's a point where mark is even like confessing to a recorder that he's experiencing fear you know (laughs) he's like i cannot let the other crew know but i am i must admit experiencing fear (laughs) you know like it's like it's just it's so kind of ridiculous you know that 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 this crew is in a lot of ways just so dead inside it feels like (laughs) so so i'm not i'm not a fan of the vampires as they are i think that I think that that's a bit of a flaw in the film for for anyone who is going in with expectations because they're going to walk away disappointed. You're going to walk away like, where were the vampires, you know? Yeah. Um, But I think once you get past that, there, there 
there is an interesting way to kind of look at it where I sort of view the vampires in this as more like kind of sirens, you know, like sirens from like Greek mythology where it's like they, you know, they're putting out this signal, you know, the the mythology with sirens, they'll like sing a beautiful song to lure, Mm -hmm. uh, to lure uh, semen in or whatever. You just want to say semen, didn't you? I'm not the immature one here. You're the one who laughed at it. Um, <laughs> but but they would do that. And so the signal kind of is the same thing for me. And then, you know, of course, the crew gets there and then they're like, cool, we're going to kill you and take over your body now, you know? So, like, <laughs> so there might be a little bit of sirens. But why I think that Planet of the Vampires might work in a sense is I think that <laughs> this is like that pretentious moment where I feel like the 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 really high person like says something that just sounds stupid it makes no sense but it kind of does and that is that and that is that you know you could say that the crew themselves are the real vampires what the <laughs> fuck it's in the costuming look at the costuming when when you look at the costuming for these characters it's they, pretty damn vampiric. Yeah, they do have the high you know, collars. I'll give you that. The 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 spacesuits are almost all black, you know, very reflective of like the the kind of black capes and everything that vampires would wear and mm-hmm. or in gothic imagery, right? Uh so there's that. The collars are popped, you know, and yep. they they very much feel like those old kind of vampire capes, right? They're very similar to that. Mm-hmm. And it, the concept of a vampire itself is, you know, sucking the life out of something. And I think that when you look at the characters, first of all, we, we just mentioned like how they all kind of feel sort of dead in a way, like they're yeah. very robotic and, and, you know, nothing really differentiates them. They're all kind of the same, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't really feel alive in a lot of senses. Uh, but also in terms of sucking the life out of things, I mean, again, what do human beings do? We, we find land, we colonize it, and we suck the ever fucking shit out of it, you know? Yep. Like, uh, I mean, like the human race itself is you know, fucking raping the planet and just, you know, taking whatever the hell we want from it without any concept of, you know, renewing the energy. We're just nope. like, it'll be fine. It'll, it'll last for at least as long as I'm alive. Nope. Right? Fuck it. That's future uh, Earth's problem. Right. So we're kind of vampires in that way. Yeah. We're, you know, vampires themselves are sort of like parasites, and that's kind of what the human race is. So <laughs> oh, I feel like that gives like more credence to the line that we get later on once like Sonia and Captain Mark have been like joined with the, the vampires where they're saying that it adds a whole new layer of complexity to to themselves. So, yeah, I can get behind the fact that the humans are actually like the vampires in this. Like, I think it should have been called Planet of the Fog Demons, because I think that would have been cooler. Who the hell goes and sees the movie Planet of the Fog Demons? I like, have, <laughs> look, you have a, look, you love look, the fog, which is just as dumb of a name. I do love the fog. Actually, the fog is not a dumb name. Yeah, very um, <laughs> basic bitch name. The You're fog. a basic bitch name. I know I am. <laughs> Fucking Kirsten. <laughs> um... <laughs> But, uh, or How dare you <laughs> use my real name on this show? Um, uh, I'm a vampire. I'm a monster. Um, <laughs> but, but no, yeah. I, I mean, no. Planet of the Fog Demons. No. <laughs> I like uh, it. Look, for me, they remind me, like, I got hardcore Doctor Who vibes because, like, in the first season of, like, the new Doctor Who with Christopher Elkeslin being uh, the ninth Doctor, there's that episode, which is the Unquiet Dead, which is all about the Gelf and the Mm. Gelf trying to come through. And the Gelf are just as much of dicks as these guys are of, like, 
let us in. We'll make things better. Like, fuck you. You're going to be our meat puppets, bitch. No, I mean, look, I, I think plan. I, I think when you really just sit down and, and think about it, Plan of the Vampires works fine. Like, it's not, again, I, I don't think that the, the glowing blobs are the vampires. <laughs> I think it's us, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and all that we're really missing is one of our main characters, like Mark, just, you know, landing on the planet and being like, I am here to suck. Your planet, you know, like it's <laughs> your resources, you know, like that's that's what it really is. But okay, so you know, we we did mention the beauty earlier, and I want to make sure that we talk about this a little bit. So, you know, what what are your thoughts on sort of the 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 very obvious sets and the miniatures and the color of this era? Like, what what stands out to you the most about what we see in this movie? Uh, so first, of, I just have to say that I'm obsessed. Like, you know, through, you know, dating, being married to you, I've gotten introduced to a lot more like rubber suits and old school horror and stuff like that. And for me, I think that the more I think about this might be my favorite era, potentially, of movies. Okay. Just because the sets are so fucking charming. Like, there's this wonderful dreamlike quality of having, like, these hazy sets that definitely look fake, but the actors are so fucking into it. Like, these actors are hamming it up, like, every second that they're in front of the screen, and it just makes everything, like, so delightful and whimsical. And there's also a part of me that it reminds me of why I love film and wanted to be a part of it because of movies like this. Like these movies showing us that you don't need high budgets. You don't need like, you know, perfect effects. Like we talk about practical effects a lot of times and we're talking about them, about them really grounding us in reality. And Mm. I feel like the practical effects we get with this type of film are very different type. They very much affirm the fact that we're in a fantasy land because you see this dumb little like ship that's clearly on wires and this little tiny thing. And you're like, yeah, that's not a fucking spaceship. And it just reminds you of like plain make believe as a kid and all the possibilities. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's the the kind of weird irony of it, though, right, is that I think I think most of the filmmakers making films back then would look back on it now and say, God, it looks like crap. I wish I could <laughs> I wish I could have done it the way you can do it now because you can make it more realistic. Like, you know, I, a lot of filmmakers like I don't I don't think that Bava was necessarily, you know, I don't think that Bava necessarily liked that it looks fake. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think a lot of filmmakers probably feel that way. But but there is the the audience perception that you and I get, which is that. Yeah, it does feel like being a kid again and playing make believe, you know. And it's and it, it it was a lot of the charm of movies growing up. So like, you know, I grew up with a lot of the kaiju movies, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I was that kid where like every Saturday or Sunday they'd be playing the Godzilla movies on the Sci-Fi Channel. And, like, I'd be right there watching them all, you know, cuz those those movies they they did feel like fantasy, you know. They and, that, and to me, honestly, like, that's mostly what movies should be. There are definitely those films out there, you know, that are necessary, that talk about very real things that mm. are, you know, that almost feel traumatic and, like, how real they are. Like, th- those are necessary to have. Uh, but I think that when we're talking about film, you know, for the most part, when I'm watching movies, I just want to sit back and I want to have fun. Yeah. And, and if there's something... And if there's something a little bit more intelligent in the movie there to chew on, that's great. And I love that, you know, but for the most part, I want to be entertained first. I want to escape to this fantasy first. Right. 
and Planet of the Vampires is from an era that mostly was doing that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for God's sakes, like all, all you need to do to see the difference is watch a James Bond movie from the 60s <laughs> and watch a James Bond movie from now. Yeah. They're very different in, in more ways than one, right? And so, you know, I don't know. It's so, so that really stands out to me. It makes me wish that era. I think it adds a charm to Planet of the Vampires. But I also just like watching this movie and seeing kind of how it influenced uh, space horror films to come in the future, you know, because we already kind of mentioned Alien. So Dan O'Bannon, it's really funny. Dan O'Bannon, I think, in an interview uh, or on a commentary mentions that, like, he mentions Planet of the Vampire, and I think he's commented on it in the sense of, like, saying, yeah, you know, I was probably influenced by this or that, uh, you know, is a, a big movie of its time. Like, mm-hmm. but he doesn't really point out anything specifically. But I just want to say, hey, Dan, um, there's literally a <laughs> shot of a giant colossal skeletal being that is found <laughs> that is found at a computer system or at some point of technology and it, you literally have the exact same moment in alien you know <laughs> so so i think it i think it a little bit more than influenced alien right you know it's it's clearly something that whether it was conscious or not dan was kind of gravitating towards yeah um but then it also shows up in other films like uh like toby hooper's life force which if none of you have seen life force to me life force is kind of like planet of the vamp it's kind of like somebody saw planet of the vampires and was like uh one i would actually like vampires (laughs) and two how about they come to earth you know yeah so so life force is like alien vampires invading earth and what what's fun about seeing kind of how Planet of the Vampires influenced that is not just conceptually and kind of taking this idea of like alien vampires, but in Life Force itself is also a very colorful movie. Like I I would argue that it's probably Toby Hooper's most colorful film, and uh, and in that sense, it, it's also very beautiful. Like there that movie's full of imagery that I could just live in, right? I haven't seen Life Force. I want to see Life Force. I mean, I always want to see space vampires and see how alien vampires work. It's great. I highly recommend it. Uh, I mean, look, this is one of the things I really like with Planet of the Vampires that I kind of feel got lost in later sci-fi is this use of color. Because I feel like that's one thing with sci-fi horror. Like, if you're doing other planets and all this other stuff, yeah, make it fucking colorful. Right. It's like, um, like I really like Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Uh-huh. But it's like you watch those movies, and they are just these horribly, like, bleak, gray They're, landscapes. It's and so it, drab. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not, look, I... I don't know. Like, I don't. We've fallen into just such a weird place with movies. Where mm. I, I know I've said this a couple times recently, but it's like we're in just such a weird place where we want everything to feel more and more real, almost. And yeah. and I, I don't, don't really. Want that. I, I just don't really <laughs> get that. You know, like to me, to me, movies should feel like plays. Like they should feel like expensive plays. Yes, that's <laughs> where what... where where things are not totally realistic. But I'm cool with that because I'm watching a fun play. <laughs> exactly. I think that's why I like um, Guillermo del Toro so much. I think yeah. he's one of the few you know, directors that's doing that right now, or at least some semblance of that. Because, um, yeah, I miss that. I miss watching a film and getting transported to another world and having the director be like, cool, this is going to be like nothing you've experienced before. Yeah. You cool with that? I'm like, but, yes, fuck yes. But, I mean, I get it, right? Because, uh, you know, the, the, the a lot of the filmmakers making movies now 
they they didn't grow up during you know what what's widely considered the the quote unquote golden era. Although the golden era itself has plenty of issues, right? Um, they didn't grow up during that time. They grew up during our time, which has been <laughs> you know been basically nothing but fucking like war and poverty and all this yep. kind of stuff for decades. You know, yep. so so I think it makes sense that we see films that are maybe a little bit more bleak and a mm-hmm. little more you know a little more questioning everything around us. But no, but I like that. But I think. You know, kind of going back to the movie, I think what what's also sort of interesting about the color of Planet of the Vampires is the planet itself is very colorful, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it is that. And and the ship is very colorful. And I, I find it really interesting that the color scheme of both the planet, the, the vampires themselves, which are these colorful, glowy blobs, mm-hmm. and, and the ship all feels more alive than the characters themselves. <laughs> no, really, because the characters yeah. themselves, they're, they're running around in these, like, black leather outfits, right? And and there's just, like, the color almost feels, like, sucked out of them, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just they're just all pasty white fucks in black outfits, and, and it, they don't have personality. They don't have a lot of, you know, traits that really stand out. And so it's interesting that that everything from the vampires to the planet to the machinery itself feels more colorful and alive than the people. And I don't know that that was a direct commentary from Bava, but it feels like that's there if you want to tr- dig into that, right? Yeah, I feel like that's more to your your credit for your theory that the humans we're dealing with are the real vampires in the movie, not, you know, the, the cold, fog demons. Dead and, <laughs> cold, dead, and dead. <laughs> but all right, so we got to get close to wrapping up here. So just... We, we finally get to the ending of this movie, right? And and we have, you know, we, we have discovered that, oh, well, Captain Mark and Sonya, they're, they're vampires now. They, they became vampires at some point that we didn't see probably during, <laughs> probably during that chase, you know. We don't yeah. really know. Uh, but they became vampires, and now they're going to come to planet Earth and just take us over and make us, you know, like them. Yeah. Um, what do you think of this ending? What What... what what, what did you take from this last scene in Planet of the Vampires? <laughs> okay, look, I'm going to be honest that I thought that the ending was a bit of a just, like, I don't know, throwaway. It felt very, like, I don't know, like, throwaway Twilight Zone of, like, or Planet of the Apes of, like, oh, shit, you thought this was in the future. Hey, but this hey is- don't, don't throw Planet of the Apes in this Planet no, of the Apes ending is brilliant. <laughs> it is. It, well, that's the difference, is that Twilight Zone endings and Planet of the Apes, they're smart, they're thought out. This one didn't feel that way, you know? This one felt like it was kind of like a cop-out ending of like, oh shit, you thought this was the future, but like, actually Earth is super primitive and now they're gonna come... (laughs) Okay, so here's my thing. My big thing and takeaway from this is a completely sideways thing. Okay. Um, Because look, we've... Throughout the movie, they've been talking about how our main characters are humans and they're warlike humans and made us believe that, you know, they're the same type of species as us. And we find out that they didn't come from Earth. They came from a completely different planet, which means in my mind that humans are essentially like the crabs of the universe. What? (laughs) Hear me out. So crabs on Earth have evolved 
like species have evolved into crabs like five separate times like separate from each other shit in the ocean just keeps evolving into a crab it just keeps happening look it up it's fucking amazing and awesome wait wait no i'm lost i i think i don't know if i'm too drunk or not did you say that the that our main characters are not from earth they aren't from earth what makes you say that? Well, because, so, if they were from our Earth, then, like, you know, it's not like the vampires don't have all the memories and knowledge of the Captain and Sonia. Mm. So, right? Okay. So, when they're looking at Earth, they're not going, hey, you know, that's the that's the home planet of the people that we're inhabiting. Because our vampires don't have a home planet. Theirs is dying. So, they're trying to get to the home planet of their hosts, Right. Yeah. And Earth is not that home planet. Like, uh, Why do you say that? Because they don't look out the window. Well, because they're saying that without the, the meteor rejector thing, they're not going to be able to get home. So they have to settle for this other planet that's real close. Like, this is all in the movie. I'm not crazy. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I just read it a little bit differently than that. I, I didn't see... I, look, you might be right. I don't know. I Maybe I missed it, but... I, I saw that ending as being more that, you know, that it is a commentary on the human race in a lot of ways of like, we, you know, to me, to me, to me, first of all, it's just funny because it's like we we've got this futuristic spaceship and we get to Earth and it's like, oh, cool. We're just the same, <laughs> you yeah. know, like like we we are just these primitive beings. And I, you know, I I sort of I sort of viewed that as, again, fitting into the commentary on humans and how we are very primitive in the way that we go about things right like Mm -hmm. we like for for all of the advanced technology we have we're still just this primitive bricks and mortar race that you know just fights everything that essentially just fights everything and is very grim and bleak and stone on the surface so (laughs) i don't disagree with you i have to say though that i think it's fascinating that you're fixated on explain to me why you know this earth is not their home planet and not what the fuck how are humans the crabs of the universe we're just completely throwing the crabs away i'm married to you i've learned i've learned to live with whatever nonsense comes out of your mouth <laughs> fair enough the only thing i'm going to say is i think it's really dumb that the like you know fog vampires whatever are like Oh, hopefully they'll be nice when we land. Otherwise, too bad for them. And I'm like, motherfuckers, we will beat you with a stick. We will suck you out with a goddamn vacuum. We are a violent, warlike race. You're fucked well, if you set foot on well, our planet. I mean, planet. that's what we are, right? We're the we're the 2001 Space Odyssey monkey. We're yep. we're the ones picking up the primitive tools and bashing you in the head with it because. That's just what we do, you know? Yeah, I feel like that's why we've never had any kind of, like, alien contact is because the aliens are just like, it, it's like, you know, you you throw a little bit of food into, like, a trap and you just see all of the, like, critters, like, come out and violently fight over it. Like, seagulls at the beach were seagulls. So are we crabs or are we seagulls? Or are we vampires? Or are we human? Or are we stone buildings? I don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we are crabs. Pinchy, violent crabs. We just keep evolving in different places in the universe. Okay. Well, speaking of evolving, you know, the one last thing I want to say before we wrap up here is uh, I, I, I do also like this last, like, 20 minutes of the film or so because I, I think it fits into the the Cold War sort of thematics as well. And, you know, I, I feel like I feel like these, these are the points where 
if you're still listening, I either completely lose you or <laughs> or make you go, oh, yeah, I can kind of see that. You know, like, uh, and that moment for me is, you mentioned it, the, the meteor... Rejector. Rejector, which, oh, my God, the, the sci-fi jargon in this movie is just it's hilarious. It's intense. Um, but the meteor rejector, whatever that means, you know, <laughs> I, I'm assuming it... It rejects you, meteors. I'm, I'm assuming it tells you when meteors are showing up. And then, no, it's like a force field. It redirects a meteorite so they don't hit your ship. Okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, you know, this meteor rejector, I saw, I sort of saw this, this clan of quote-unquote vampires... <laughs> And this clan of "quote unquote" humans, you know, <laughs> uh, I sort of saw them fighting over this meteor rejector, as also kind of reflecting the Cold War, because you know the Cold War itself is basically an arms race mm-hmm. where it's like we're constantly competing to have the best technology, and so you know, in a small sense, I sort of viewed that as like these two competing factions that are trying to obtain the necessary technology to evolve or to move on or mm-hmm. to be better, you know, whatever. So, so I just, I don't know. Like it's, you know, the, the script is bad, <laughs> but, but there is a lot to it where it's like, the more you kind of read into it, the more it's like, okay, they actually kind of feel like they had something that they were saying with this, you know, which is more than I can say for a lot of B movies now. <laughs> um <laughs> And yeah, I just really see that in there, you know, of like just these two different uh, factions that are trying to compete for the best technology. (laughs) I just like the fact that one of those factions broke theirs on purpose and is now trying to steal someone else's. Well, that's what we should have (laughs) done. That's what America should have done. Broken our shit and stole someone else's? We do that all the time. (laughs) No, after we used the nuclear bomb, we should have been like, all right, that's it. Scrap the plans, burn it all, break it, whatever. And nope, now here we are, seven years later, and we got to fucking deal with the thought of being nuked on a daily basis. Yay for that. Yep. Um, but all right, so we got to start wrapping up on that high note. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so who's your killer idiot of Planet of the Vampires? The fucking vampires for thinking that they can take on Earth. No, you can't. We'll fuck you up. <laughs> I'm oh, very so that, fixated on this. So that's one thing I didn't mention about the ending uh, that's also why I agree with you in the sense that it feels a little bit like what, you know, mm-hmm. like kind of shoehorn in a sense is that I'm sorry. Um, but these two aliens yep. <laughs> are not going to take over the planet. They're just not, no. you know, you can't, I mean, for God's sakes, you can't steal a candy bar at Walgreens without getting shot these <laughs> days by cops, you know? So I really doubt that these two aliens <laughs> are going to find a way to work their way through our planet and destroy us. I mean, yeah, no. who, who knows? Maybe one of them maybe one of them gets their own reality show and then gets elected president and then is given the new codes and just decides to nuke everything. Sounds similar, right? Um, maybe, yeah, that's pretty much the only way because otherwise they're going to get their ass beat by a grandma. Right, maybe that happens, but otherwise I don't really get the concept here. Like, it's not, are, are, are these bodies filled with like a thousand of the vampires and they're all going to just unleash once they land on Earth? Like, it... The vampire concept of the movie is extremely confusing. But anyway, um, my killer idiot's Mark. And it's Mark because Mark... So, you know, you know when Randy goes on his rant and scream mm-hmm. about, you know, the things that people do in horror movies to die, like saying, I'll be right back or something like that. Mark is like, you know, 
he, he's he's like the fucking godfather of the split up in <laughs> horror movies. Of I swear to God, every scene in this movie is Mark being like, "Okay, hey you random red shirt person, you stay here, <laughs> and the rest of us are gonna go do this thing." And that happens not once, but like ten times in this movie, where Mark is just like. Hey, you, you stay back by yourself. We're all going to go do this thing. It's going to be fine. And it never is. That person always dies, Always Mark. dies. I will say that his character name is Captain Mark Markery, so you can't expect much from someone whose first name and last name is basically the same. If you have the same first name and last name, like, your parents were either A, idiots, or B, they hated you. They hate you. <laughs> And look, I'm sorry for anyone listening that does have the first two names the same. But that, uh, that fucking but, sucks. But your parents definitely were not thinking when they when they named you. Nope. Um, so anyway, uh, so what about Killer Death? Who's your favorite death in Planet of the Vampires? Look, it's Wes because I love a dramatic bitch. Like Wes ends up dying because he finds out that Sonya and and Mark are both vampires, and so he goes to destroy the the meteor rejector thing, and it's the whole big scene where he like picks up like a piece of metal, slams it down. There's like, you know, fireworks and like bright lights, and he like jumps up and then he spins in a circle before he dramatically falls to the ground. And I fucking love a dramatic bitch. So your favorite death is the death of the meteor rejector? No, it's Wes. <laughs> Wes died. It's his suicide. Mm. Well, I guess sacrificial death? I don't know. My my favorite death, uh, my, mine has to go to Solace, and it's just because I love when when he reveals his exposed ribcage, <laughs> you know, to, to show that he is dead and is possessed by this vampire glowy blob, right? Uh-huh. I just love that because cause to me, I, I almost have to wonder if that was any sort of influence on Candyman at all because when he when he pops open that shirt, it very much is similar to, you know, when Tony Todd pops open his vest or his coat and it's just ribs and bees and blood, right? Yeah. I just like it because he acts like a shy Victorian lady about it because it gets popped open and then he's immediately like, ooh, don't look. Don't look at my insides. Yeah, he's not he's not a fan of the boob window for men. He's not he's not on my side with this. No, um, he doesn't want his <laughs> his exposed rib cage out for all to see. Right. So so he does that and then he just drops like a bag of rocks for no reason and I just <laughs> I've just always found that really funny. So It's amazing. <laughs> uh so what about your what about your killer MVP for Planet of the Vampires? That fucking hallway. Love that hallway. Chris, when we were watching this movie, every so look, yes, it's a cheap film. They're well, not cheap, cheap, but <laughs> but it's you know, it doesn't have a huge budget, so they are reusing sets, right? So there's a certain hallway set that's used for both ships. And Chris yeah. just every time the set came up, just could not stop laughing. She's like, Oh my god, the hallway. I again. fucking love the hallway. You see it like eight times and it's the exact same shot. It makes me super happy. Especially when one yeah, of the Yeah, they're going through the same hallway. If I shot a movie in our apartment, guess what? We're gonna have the same shots of your bedroom some well, of our bedroom sometimes. It's really funny though, because they'll use the hallway to like show them like running through one part of the ship and then they'll like shoot it from the other angle to show them like continuously rubbing. I fucking love it. But this is a lead-in to say it's really going to um, Giorgio Giovanni, who's a set designer, because he did such a good job, like, designing this set. It's so fucking cool. Like, I'm a really big fan, especially of, like, the 60s kind of look, because that was all, like, 
Jetsons and curves, the space age of curves, which I really like. Like, you know, back when we had a more optimistic view of the future. <laughs> exactly. Like, and it's it's really evident in this. Like, when we compare like this type of set to like Alien, which is very eighties and well, I know it's seventy nine, um, but it's very like grungy and boxy, like very reminiscent of the time. And this one, it's all beautiful curves and like the rocks are really cool. Everything that he did with designing this set, I think, is so cool about setting this in this world. And I love that fucking hallway. The hallway's great. The hallway is the MVP. <laughs> um, <laughs> give that hallway the award. Yep. Uh, no, I I agree. I you know who I had listed was also Giovannini. You know, I just I agree with you. The the colors, the production design. Everything's amazing. It does really strike back to a to a period where it feels like we had more optimism about the future. We yeah. had more optimism about space travel. You know, this movie's made uh, right around the time when we did land on the moon, right? And space travel was new and exciting and fun. And now we're kind of like bleak and everything's fucked. And, you know, <laughs> the world's going to die in my lifetime. Like, you know, we're all very much of that mentality. Yep. So we don't really see the same sort of color and fun in these movies. And, and, and Giovannini brought that to the movie. So since you said him, I'm just going to go ahead and say the skeleton man is my MVP. Um, just because <laughs> I can't say the hallway, but you can say the fucking skeleton. I didn't man. say you couldn't say the hallway. I just said you can't say I can't make fun of you for the hallway. Um, <laughs> but but no, for me it's Skeleton Man. Uh, just because Skeleton Man clearly made an impression, you know. Yeah. Skeleton Man got his own sequel, uh, uncredited in Alien. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Dan O'Bannon was like, God, that Skeleton Man, he he needs to show up in movies some more, and yeah. then and then they did that. And, and funny enough, I, I do believe that Carlo Rambaldi, who did some of the effects, including Skeleton Man, I do believe that he also worked on Alien. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. So there you have it. Um, but anyway, so that's going to do it for us on Planet of the Vampires. Quote, unquote, not vampires. Not uh, vampires. And, and so I hope you've enjoyed listening. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about critters four fuck yeah and i really can't wait to do that because not only do i know that chris loves critters just as i do so much um but we're specifically talking about critters four because i personally want to touch on the sort of like fourth movie goes to space uh sort of trope in horror franchises all right <laughs> uh because many of them have done it such as critters Hellraiser 4 was in space. <laughs> Leprechaun 4 is in space. Jason took a little while, but Jason also eventually went to space, you know. So Critters 4 is kind of the opportunity a little bit to talk about some of that and kind of get into why we go to space <laughs> around that time with these movies. I'm just going to talk about how awesome the Krites are. Krites are awesome. <laughs> but, but anyway, so that's it for us on Planet of the Vampires. Again, if you've listened through this whole portion and you still haven't seen it, uh, what are you doing? Also, it's on Prime. <laughs> Watch it. And thank you for listening to us if you did listen through this part. And just, yeah, just thank you for everything. Thank you for your support. And hope you enjoyed the episode. And we will see you next week. So have a good night, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled. 
just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans.